See, Malaysia is a very interesting country where you know, we have foreign labors want to come to work. Now, yeah. ask a very basic question. Why do foreign labors want to come to work? To earn money. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So can you imagine this, right? Say I come from Bangladesh, for instance, right? or any other countries per se. Yeah. I come mm. to Malaysia, I want to earn money so that I can remit money back to my whole family. Mm. So I come to Malaysia, I want, my objective is to, I want to maximize my income, my yes. earning power. Yep. But now you're telling me, no, I can only work a certain amount of OT overtime a week. <laughs> Basically, everybody has to become French. Uh. No, then, so. then I'll be asking myself, then why do I want to come to Malaysia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it defeats the whole purpose. But you see, now if you look at the opposite way, right? Yeah. Now we're telling this guy who's trying to earn the income to feed the family, mm. I'm sorry, you can only earn this much. Yeah. And he probably wants to work 12, 13, 14 hours. Yes. See, so are we really, see, let's face it this way. Yeah. It's deemed as working more than necessary or more than allowed over time. It's called as forced labor. Yeah. But it's not a force. Yeah. <laughs> they want to earn exactly. income to remit back to the family. Yeah. Before we begin the podcast, have you gotten your free ebook? It's called the Build a Six Figure Portfolio Guidebook. Now, inside it, we share with you the tips and tricks to bring your stock investing skills to the next level. The best part, it's only 10 pages long and it's totally free. Whether you're on Spotify or YouTube, the link to download is in the description or you can go to www.firl.co f-r-e-e or www.firl.co free. Hello everyone, welcome back to our podcast, Best Place for Long-Term Stock Investors. Today, we have a returning guest. Yep. Right? Uh, we were supposed to film this yesterday, which was yeah. Valentine's, but uh, our guest wanted it to be too no, awkward. He was, he was too busy with the yeah, Fed Reserve too, uh, meeting. Too he was part of the committee. Fed, Fed Reserve meeting. <laughs> right? uh, but yeah, joke, jokes aside, uh, welcome back to the podcast, Peter. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's always great to have you. And I think we're going to talk about, I think for those of you who are listening to Peter for the first time, you want to check out the podcast we did with him. He was one of our earliest guests. I think yeah. it was podcast guest number- Five or six. Yeah, four or five, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, also one of our most viewed, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, go check out his life story there, how he looks at investments and things like that. Otherwise, you may not uh, appreciate, understand where you know Peter might be coming from when he talks about the investments and the economy uh, today. Yeah. So uh, Peter, we want to start off with um, the global- economy and like what's mm. happening. Obviously, certain words like inflation is really big. Mm. Um, things like the Fed's increasing interest rates. We have, you know, Ukraine potentially going to war or Russia. depends on whose side you're on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Russia or Ukraine going to war with each other. Uh, yeah, so like, tell me what are your thoughts on some of these big events happening? I think what has been capturing the headlines has always been inflation. Mm -hmm. But I think if you really look at it, it's important to understand what is the cause of inflation. Yeah. Mm. Right. Inflation can be due to two factors. Yeah. One is, of course, we call it a demand pool. Yep. Or the other side, we call it a supply push. Okay. In the very layman term, demand pool is when there's too much demand mm. chasing after goods. Mm. On the other hand, a supply push is when there is not enough supply. Meaning to say, your demand can be constant or your demand can be low. Mm. But if there's a disruption in the supply, Right, you will actually again cause inflation. Right. What the situation of inflation we are seeing now is actually caused by both. But mm. if, if personally, if I were to give a weightage, mm -hmm. 
I'll give it 60 to 65% is more due to supply issue. Mm. Rest, maybe 30 to 35% is due to demand issue. Mm. Okay, now let, let's go a, a step further, right? Let's look at this. What supply issue you're facing? Yeah, right. right. See, when the lockdown started in 2020, the first thing that happened was no to do social distancing, economic lockdown. Yeah. The port operations also scaled down. Correct. Right. So maybe give take, give and take. Total lockdown, maybe they operate at 0%. Then after that, they recover 30%. Even as we are talking now, global ports are, have not recovered mm. yet mm. to even their pre-pandemic level of operation. Okay. Now, that what happens? Right. So you just imagine a very simple scenario. You have a container port ship coming with the containers, right? The ports, the backyard is too full. You can't unload, offload, the, offload yeah. or unload the containers. So you're stuck. Okay. Now, even the ports existingly at the container, because they're short of labor, you can't clear off. Yeah. So why, why are they short of labor in your view? Okay. First thing, of course, efficiency level. Yeah. Right. right? And things are piling up. Yeah. If you look at throughput of ports, it, it corrected substantially during the March 2020, mm -hmm. but the subsequent rebound was very, very fast. Mm. Even as we are talking now, port throughput in the world have exceeded even pre-pandemic level. Mm. So that's where the, the, the demand equation comes mm, in. Mm, mm. The demand is not slowing down. But ports have not reached that. Okay, back to your question, why? Another reason is also, also labor shortages. Right. If you look at all industries at this moment, be it Malaysia, be it US, any countries, right? Yeah. Globally, there is a big shortage of labor. Mm. Right. So that, that explains why the, the throughput has not, or the port efficiency has not been go up. Okay, so now even when they're able to unload the goods from the containers, what happens? The container, the so-called empty containers are stuck in the port. Correct. Because when you can't unload the ship, there's no empty, you can't load it. So that also created what I call as, there's a lot of empty containers right. being stuck at various ports or all, ports in all over the world. Right. And it, do you, they need to move these containers around to move the things, right? Correct. Because there's a limited supply, right? Exactly. But now yeah. all this, in Southeast Asia, one of the most congested, or, or the, the, the port that has the most empty containers is actually Manila port in Philippines. Ah. It's just stuck. I would have assumed it's Shanghai port, but no. Okay, Manila. No, Interesting. empty, empty, empty. No, I see. ASEAN, ASEAN 5. No, I not see. Asia. It's okay. this ASEAN region, right? Okay. Manila has the most numbers, right? So this is, when there is this supply shortages, it, it, it cuts across all industries, mm. right? You yeah. talk about even on your raw materials, right? It's stuck, cannot move. So all these supply issues has caused an increase of shortages in materials or in movement in goods, okay. right? Be it raw materials, be it semi-finished products, be it end-user goods which then creates inflation. Mm. Okay, now take a step back, think about it. One way, if the intention, okay, I'll put it this way. Raising interest rate can only solve inflationary pressure mm. due to demand, mm. right? If the inflation yes. is due to yes. too much demand, I will increase the interest rate so that no people yes. will feel the pinch in their pockets yep. or consume less. Yes. So ask yourself this question. How would interest rate raise, how would raising interest rate at this point in time solve the inflation due to logistic issue. Might make it harder, right, in some cases. Exactly, that's the point. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of headlines, you no? Know, a lot of analysts are saying that, well, Fed is going to increase four, it's, it's a guessing game, right? Now it's seven oh, times. Not seven times, right? <laughs> no, from, from zero <laughs> times to dice, two right? times to four times, now it's seven <laughs> times. Right? But I, I'm, I'm, I look at it very differently. I am more, con I'm not say controversial, I was just saying. I would think that, I, I wouldn't think that Fed will increase rates so fast. I would think that likely if there's any possibility, you'll be more on the second half. Mm. Right. Because if you really look at the nature of inflation, yeah. what you point out correctly, 
how would raising interest rates solve the inflation yeah. pressure due to logistic issue? It yeah. actually make matter worse yes. because you're increasing the cost of doing business. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So I, I'm more on that stance. And again, if you look at the worst economic crisis we have in the modern history or the modern finance history, right? Mm. It was 1929, right? The Great yeah, yeah, Depression. Yeah. Yes. Right? Um, US GDP fell by 25%. Yeah. So from 1929 all the way until now, uh, last COVID, there's a total of 15 US recessions. Mm. Okay. Right. Right. Big and small. Yeah. Right. What's interesting is of these 15 US recessions, eight of the recessions was actually due to the Federal Reserve raising interest rate too early. Too from, rapidly. No, too, from the previous recession. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> so, they so were right. causing so their own lagging, trouble. What are you saying? That there's a lagging effect, right? The effects of, what, of no. raising interest rates. See, it's always this cycle, right? Fed always cut rates whenever there's a comic crisis. Yep. So, it's, it's, a, it's the same trend all over since 1929. So, whenever yep. there's a crisis, the Fed will actually cut interest rate. The challenge is the timing of when to hide back the interest rate. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, the, out of the 15 recessions, eight recessions was actually due to the Fed hiked the rate too fast after the previous recession, which then caused another recession. <laughs> right? Right. So it's 50% of, of the cost. Mm. And look at, back at the last three recessions, actually none of them was due to raising of interest rate. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is, look, the, the, the Fed I think is smart enough to look at the history, look at the whole thing. Yeah. I think they are, they are smart enough not to raise rates too early mm. and to kill any recovery. Mm. Can, can you imagine if any job, right? If, yeah. if you're a baker, right? Yeah. And you get eight out of 10 of your cakes wrong yeah. and they start to crumble and all that. I don't think you'll be a baker for a very long time. <laughs> but uh, but the I fact guess rules don't apply la, to some people, right? But yeah, uh, you know, your thoughts on inflation is interesting. So because where I draw a distinction is that, or where you're drawing a distinction is that this round is very unique because if you look at pandemics in the past, they never had the kind of systematic lockdown globally right. that we had today. Yes. And so this led to all the pot shortages. Whereas mm. in the past, we were at inflation events, right? Mm. It's usually due to artificial demand in the Correct. case of, let's say, the Weimar Republic where they print money and so you know people spend millions for cabbage. Yeah. Or in the case of the 70s, you had the... Uh, the oil embargoes mm. and all that. So it's also an artificial supply lock, right? Yeah. All ports were still functioning. Will you say that that is the unique characteristic of the current yeah. supply-based inflation? Yeah, yeah. we, we, we need, need not look far. If you look yeah, at yeah, even yeah. the ports in Singapore, yeah. um, it's, it's totally congested in Singapore. If you just look at even Singapore ports, which is supposed to be one of the most yeah, efficient, efficient ports in the world, right? I've been talking to a lot of companies who exports. Um, yep. One of them actually was actually telling me they have a shipment to Australia and New Zealand stuck at Singapore ports for the last two months. Wow. wow. The goods are there, <laughs> ready yeah. to be shipped. Yeah, it's but, just, it's just. How do you solve this? Like just naturally, you just uh, That's a very good Biden, Biden, or Bidin, no? uh, <laughs> <Biden>. <laughs> You know, I think last month he, he, he gave an announcement that, you know, they've already ordered, okay, I've already, it's like a big headline, right? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've yeah. already ordered you know, all the ports to actually, op in the US, to operate 24 hours, seven days a week, blah, blah, blah. But you see, it's not as simple as yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, imagine, okay, now think about it. Port is only one part of the logistic yes, equation. Yes, it's the whole chain. Your domestic trucking is also another yes. aspect yes. of it. Yeah, so yeah. your port can operate 24 hours, seven, but if your trucking is not, capacity is not ready, you're back to square one. Yeah. So it's a complicated thing. And to add on to the problem is, if you think about it, shipping line used to be one of the worst business to be in, right? Mm. But what happened is all the shipping lines are taking advantage of this situation. 
right? You know, raise rates. No, they, they're quite realigning their roots. <laughs> but your momentum cutting down the number of supply of ships. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and it doesn't help that I think the industry also, because it was a very cutthroat business, very low margins, right? There was, would, I, would it be fair for me to say that it's an underinvested industry for quite some time leading towards this as well? Because yeah. you look at the, the, the new ships that mm. are being built or whatever, right? Mm. Um, I don't see that kind of uh, money being poured as if it's in the tech sector. Mm. Is that is that another contributor? Uh, it's possible, but at the same time, you look at it, what happens is industry has been under consolidation. Mm. Right? Mm, mm, I think mm. now you look at global players as a group. Yeah, yeah. I think as a consortium, there's only plus minus five consortium. Musk, Evergreen, yeah. uh, not many. Uh, only five consortium. So yeah. technically, it's like a cartel to a certain extent, right? Mm. And out of so many 20, for the last 21 years, this is your opportunity to make money. Of course, mm. you make a full use of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. So, Back to the question, what can the government do about this? You can't. Just let it run in a way. Well, something has to happen. I mean, something needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, I think the only way is just, just keep on ensuring that, you know, that the ports are being cleared. Just increase the efficiency of ports, the whole trucking, um, the whole the whole logistic chain. Yeah, I, I've seen uh, big companies with deep pockets. Actually, you know, like Amazon and all that, right? What I read oh, yeah. is that they're, they're doing it themselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ship my own. Yeah, I, bring, I buy my own ships. I buy my own planes. Uh, uh, so does Walmart. Walmart did the same thing yeah, last yeah. Christmas. Yeah, because yeah. you can't you can't rely on the you can't rely on your reliable UPSs DHLs anymore. You got you got to take things into your own hand, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. crazy, man. So, but how does this, I guess, then like affect Malaysia, right? Mm. Specifically, because what how are Malaysian ports like and like are we facing the same kind of situation or we have a separate different kind of situation with our economy? Because you know our economy is forever bad one. It has been bad since 1969. Right? It has never, it's always bad one. That, that comes from everyone you, I talk to, right, who's older than me, right? They say, right, oh when I got my first job, which was during a recession one. So uh, it's a 40-year recession. So yeah. How about Malaysia? That, that, that comes from you, that don't come from me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that doesn't come from me, that comes from the people. <laughs> Uh, our, our ports somehow are not as bad as Singapore. Ah. Of congestion. Yeah. Okay. But we have a lot of transshipment, right, Peter, in we, Malaysia? We, we have, we have. Ah. Uh, congestion level, actually, we are not as bad mm. as Singapore. Singapore is really a, a totally different story. I think mm. Malaysia, we face, you're right, we, we face a very different challenge. Mm. I think Malaysia, our challenge is more on labor. Mm. Ah. Labor is our biggest problem. I've been saying this, I think, unfortunately, too, too many times <laughs> on various platforms. I, I think, we got our labor policy wrong. Yeah. Mm. Totally wrong. Right. You see, what has been a common headline by the government, no matter which government, right? Yeah, it's always yeah. the same story. That no, we, we should cut down on labors, you no, know, we should actually limit access of foreign labors, we should right. go for uh, what? More automation. Right. I, I think they have to understand a few things. Right? First thing is automation, there, there is an automation solution to everything. Yes. Every production, there is an automation solution. But at what cost? At what cost, exactly, right? <laughs> so sometimes it's like, look, if I can solve it using 20 labors versus automating it for $20 million, mm. it's an easy choice. Yeah. Right? Why would I spend $20 million to automate it? Right? Yeah. And second thing is, Malaysian manufacturing, although we always think we are high-tech, unfortunately, we are not high-tech. Nope. Yeah. Mm. Right? We, we are very labor-intensive business. Yes. Right. So what I call it's very simple, right? Low volume, high mix. Yeah. Right. Those where it's high volume, low mix, you can automate. Yeah. But unfortunately, those goes to China. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you can't beat China. Give it a sense. If you're talking about producing anything that maybe a million units a month, yeah. those are highly automated. Yeah. You can just automate the front end, the back end. Right? Correct. Those goes to China. 
But in Malaysia, we are talking about maybe 300,000 a year. Mm. 400,000 a year. Yeah. So look, are you going to automate a machine just to produce 300,000 a year? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So that's where labor comes in. Mm. But I think unfortunately, our policymakers don't understand this. Yeah. They keep saying, oh, look, no, we, we have to go automate, we'll go digital, we'll go blah, blah, blah. But look, that, that's not our strength. Yes. <laughs> Malaysia's strength is we are like a hot pot. We are a, people are willing to come to Malaysia. Look at this one of the interesting characteristics of Malaysia. Mm. Right? You, you have people from various countries willing to come to Malaysia to work. You don't see the same in Thailand. Yeah. You don't see Vietnamese going to Thailand to work. You don't yeah. see Cambodian going to Thailand to work. Likewise, you don't see Thailand or even Cambodian going to Vietnamese to work. Correct. Mm. Right? But Malaysia somehow, we, we, we have this environment where no foreigners don't why, mind coming to work. Why, why is that so, Peter, in your opinion? Why I is think, that so? I think it started because we are a multiracial country, mm. which, which formed the base where you know, there, there is varieties. I see. Uh, right. So wait, let, me, let me try to understand what you're saying. Because I'm not... A, tech background thing. But what you're suggesting is that because our, okay, few steps, right? A, mm. we cannot produce the kind of skill that we need. Therefore, it's a pipe dream. We should not be going Don't there. Go that route, yeah. But that can be an advantage, which means that what we should be focusing on is to create an environment where we can create those awkward, you know, hard to do or very unique or specific Mm. kind of uh, technologies and where the, the volume is low, mm -hmm. but there's still a need for it yeah. to happen. Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Right. So it's very specialized kind of- It's, it's, it's very niche. See, right. when we talk about things that are low volume, okay, right. well, just give a sense, maybe I said, as mentioned, like 300 to 500,000 a year. Yeah. Right. So that workout would be maybe 30,000 a month, or right. which is 1,000 a day. Yeah. So such a volume, right? Imagine, actually you can automate but would you want to automate? It's not worth it. No? It's not worth it. Yeah. So at that volume, I'd rather have a labor assembling it manually. Mm. Plus, if you think about it, let's take this 300 to 500,000. Even the 300 to 500,000 may not be the same specs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. it's actually not just, not economical, <laughs> but it's actually harder technically to automate as well. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Right. So that, that is where our strength. Look, if, if I am a, a company, say I'm Apple for instance, right, right. why wouldn't Apple come to Malaysia? They won't. Mm -hmm. Because at Apple's volume, yeah. I need a fully automated line. Yes. So are we able to compete on a fully automated line compared with just say China? No. Absolutely no way. Who in, in Malaysian manufacturers would commit that kind of capex as well, you know, because it's-, it's, it's Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You, you, you saw the video, right? I mean, I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not sure where I saw it, but it was many minutes ago. Yeah. They call it uh, a black room operation. Oh yeah, completely dark. There's no lights Correct. in the- Yeah, yeah. And it was manufacturing of iPad. Yes. It's an iPad manufacturing facility. Right. Yeah. It's called Black Room because there's totally zero human in from no the operators. beginning until the end. Yeah. So the whole facility don't need lights. Yes. So it's called a, a, a black room, room operation. Yeah. A black room operation. Actually, I based on what uh, you were saying just now, right? The the, the 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 thing that first came to mind was actually Ferrari. Mm. Ferrari is still handmade, very crafted, mm. and the reason why they do that is because there's a lot of personalization yeah, in the yeah, cars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this guy wants pink leather seats yeah, with, and with, with, with red trimming yeah red trimming and all that so I, I <laughs> but at the same time the Italians got it right in the sense that they are uh, their unionized labors are every, obviously it's not not to advantage of all businesses but uh, the labors are well protected they, they got their technician uh, TVET skills and all that kind of thing whereas here by right if according to your train of thought, we should be focusing more on TVET skills rather than trying to be uh, Apple or trying to be uh, whatever because we serve a market where there's need for more technicians actually. Yes. More technicians, more operators, 
uh, uh, better manufacturing practices rather than, oh, we want to design the next iPhone, you know, that, that's yeah. somewhat of a pipe dream, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, with no offense to, 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 to the companies in o Malaysia, right? Obviously, so, obviously. Yes. Obviously, you say we are tech, right? Yes. But if you really look into it, our, our tech is not those tech equivalent to Correct. the tech of the US, no, of the, yeah, the metaverse. Uh, and <laughs> no, we, we are a, a, a manufacturing and assembly, yeah. quote unquote. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, yes. 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 Why would you say like okay? So I have two questions. Right. Do you think that there's any any political group or even any politician out there that shares the same views as you? One. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing also, I think recently with uh ATA IMS ATA IMS, I never mm. know what's the mm -hmm. correct pronunciation. Mm -hmm. There's that labor issue. Yeah. Issue right mm -hmm. where essentially allegedly they are abusing mm -hmm. uh, their foreign workers right, and then then there was a like widespread fear of you know, guys like SKP resources mm -hmm. down in, in your hometown. So what do you think, uh, like, yeah, maybe these two questions. And related to his labor issue, labor yeah. policies uh, virtually, yeah, yeah. that's why he's right. This is where it's interesting, right? Mm. Um, this actually ties up to the concept of ESG, right? Yeah, 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 yeah social yeah, correct, and governance, correct, correct. right? I think the challenge is, if you look at it, the champions of ESG has always been the Western countries, yeah. or oh, the yeah. European countries. Right, right? it doesn't yeah. affect them, actually. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they, they, okay, they, they went through their own industrial revolution. They went through their whole you know, cyclical, yeah. whatever you call it, right? So then they start to look at, frame all these so-called, what is environment, social and governance. Yes. But they have passed, they have moved away from manufacturing yeah. Correct. base. Correct. So they start to impose on all this concept about, okay, what is called environmental, what's called social, what's governance. Very good example, right? They've already cleared all, whatever forest they have many, many decades <laughs> ago to do all the plantation. Yeah. They're done with that. Yeah. So now they say, okay, for environment, you, this, all these new countries like Malay or emerging countries, you cannot clear any forest. Because it's very damaging. <laughs> the US have already cleared all the forest to plant all the soybean crops, but now they're telling you, oh, sorry, you can't clear any forest to plant your palm oil plantation, right? So yeah. they have moved away from there. Yeah. So I think it's unfortunate. The, the concept of ESG is good. Yes. But I think we, we need to move it, it, it cannot be, it has to be by region by region specific. Yes. Take into consideration of at which stage of development are those countries. Yeah. Okay, take this labor issue for instance, right? As I mentioned earlier, see Malaysia is a very interesting country where you know, we have foreign laborers want to come to work. Now yeah. ask a very basic question. Why do foreign laborers want to come to work? To earn money. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So can you imagine this, right? Say I come from Bangladesh for instance, right? or any other countries per se. Yeah. I come mm. to Malaysia, I want to earn money so that I can remit money back to my whole family. Mm. So I come to Malaysia. I want my objective is to I want to maximize my income, my yes. earning power. Yeah. But now they're telling me, no, I can only work a certain amount of OT overtime a week. <laughs> but you see, everybody has to become French. Uh. No, then, so. then I'll be asking myself, then why do I want to come to Malaysia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it defeats the whole purpose. But you see, now if you look at the opposite way, right? Yeah. Now we're telling this guy who's trying to earn the income to feed the family, mm. I'm sorry. You can only earn this much. Yeah. And he probably wants to work 12, 13, 14 hours. Yes. See, so are we really, see, let's face it this way. Yeah. It's deemed as working more than necessary or more than allowed overtime. It's called as forced labor. Yeah. But it's not a force. Yeah. <laughs> they want to earn <laughs> exactly. income to remit back to the family. Yeah. And it's arbitrary anyway, this what, 40 hour work week kind of mindset. Who, who, well. who actually right? determines that whether it's, it's enough, you know, 40 hours? It's, it's, it's the UN, the UN, UN is it? Yeah. So yeah. they say they want everybody to be France, uh, basically. Yeah. That's what they say. Uh, but yet at the same time, think yeah. about it, all this boils down to cost. Yeah, yeah. Why they come to Malaysia again is cost. Correct. Yeah. So we find them cheap and they are willing to take the income. Exactly. But see, imagine if we really restrict all those things, right? We yeah. pay higher, okay your foreign labor, okay, I, I, I limit your, 
ability to earn over time, but let me compensate you for a higher basic, for instance. Correct, right? correct. But then you translate to higher cost. And mm-hmm. what is this fellas going to do? This brand owners or whatever say, oh, sorry, you're too expensive. I'm going to go to Vietnam or for, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's ironic, right? Yes, yes, yes. Actually, actually sometimes uh, even ESG proponents actually contradict themselves. Just, I was just sharing with MJ. Uh, I don't know whether you know about it, Peter. They, they allowed uh, gas turbine uh, power generated plants to be deemed as ESG compliant, okay? And then today they just came out, they got slammed, the EU got slammed for allowing that to happen. <laughs> so the US is slamming the EU saying that, <laughs> why did you allow fossil fuel to be part of ESG? But then the EU says, hey, come on, we, we're not gonna get into what, carbon zero or yeah. fossil fuel in like five years or something, you know? So right. yeah, you see. I, I always remember the story that the, Chi- the Chinese response to, to the EU, when yeah. they asked, hey, can you like, you know, be more, because they are known to be some of the most, top two most polluted country <laughs> in the world, right? The Chinese just say, yeah, yeah, we don't mind going solar if you pay for us. Yeah. You pay everything, you subsidize everything, we go solar immediately tomorrow. Yeah. I think that's a good argument because it's like, yeah, I mean, like is, I mean, you ask the typical Chinese, you, you think they don't want, eh? I always remember this story, I went to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. So the minute you start into Shanghai is, is it's basically cigarettes. Yeah, right? smoke. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I go into the taxi, okay? It's so amazing. <laughs> I go in a taxi and this was maybe 10, 12 years ago. So it's probably not as bad now. But I go into a taxi, okay? So the, the taxi driver winds down the window. So all the smoke is coming. <laughs> but you think that's that's it. No, that's not it. He takes out a cigarette. cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. But what's interesting is that I, I had the privilege to go to this uh, hotel where only the high-ranking generals get to visit, mm-hmm. right? In Shanghai. And the minute you go into, it's like a Batman's mansion. And the minute you go into the first, literally the, the, the walls are like a bush. Uh. Then the gates is like one of those black uh-huh. gates. So you go in, it's like a mansion. After 10 seconds, the air literally changes. So what I'm trying to say is that I think even, you know, people who are Chinese and Indians, you know, the culprits of uh, global warming or what you uh-huh. call it. I mean, they also want clean air, right? Like, yeah. Come on, right? <laughs> they also want, it's just that they don't have a, a path now, right? Yeah. Why, why wouldn't Europeans want to produce their own country? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I, I think what I, I admire also about the Chinese, not to say I admire everything about them, but their response to the, um, what do you call it? All this pollution. Cut, remember? They cut the uh, electricity yeah. supply. They said, oh, okay, uh, we got carbon emitting. Okay, uh, yeah. we limit the hours. Uh. Then who suffers? The Western. Yeah. <laughs> Western. You, you don't coal, right? No yeah. coal, coal yeah. is polluting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is like a mild hypocrisy on Tesla's side. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. Like, yeah, I know you're trying to, but at the end of the day, you still have to use some sort of fossil fuel to justify. And now, I speaking of, of that, right, I think we can move into maybe like, uh, ah, before we go into specific industries, yeah. I want to ask you, right, and since mm-hmm. this is still on Malaysia, so GE is coming out, right, <laughs> supposed to come out. Uh, uh, who, who's going to win? <laughs> no, no, just, but what do, you, what do you think overall and, you know? I, I, uh, I got a very unpopular answer. <laughs> That's why you're on here, Peter. That's why oh, we need, by, we need the, the way, views, uh, man. Just, we just, need the views. Just, just, just so for some context, and I don't think we'll share on the podcast, Peter and I, we had a discussion on who is suitable to be PM, but definitely not on air. <laughs> 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 but anyway, share your views, Peter. <laughs> let's just take the upcoming Joho state election. Yeah, correct, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah. Are you going back to vote? Uh, the no. constituency still in Mwah, right? Mwah. <laughs> That, that is a secret. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my take is, Amno will have a landslide or the Barisan Nation will have a landslide victory. Mm. Right? Of course, conveniently people will, will, will say, well, because due to COVID, 
people then are not willing to come out to vote. Yeah. The turnout rate is low, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I, I think if I take it very in a very more realistic perspective, mm. I think if even if the voters now were to be high, mm. I don't think it changed. Mm. You will change much. Right? Yeah. I think a big part of it is, I think there's this disappointment mm. for the Pakana Harapan. Mm. Yeah. Right? And this disappointment can be quite long-lasting effect. Yeah. Right. So I think I say people are fed up. Either they don't go back to vote, but at the same time, the Barisan supporters will still continue to vote. Mm. Right. So if we translate this into the GE, uh, I think my disclaimer is whether depend on which side you're you're at. So I would say fortunately or unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two sides of the coin. Uh, Two sides of the coin, right? Yeah. Uh, my, my take is Barisan will win big. Mm. Barisan will win big. Yep. Right. I think even to extend two third, I don't majority think it's, it's not possible. I don't so think it's impossible. Super it's majority, yeah. Mm, mm. Two third is possible. Um, my take is DAP will lose more than half. Of course, yeah. unfortunately, sorry. I think PKR easily 80% mm. will be lost. Uh, I think Versatu will be wiped off. Wiped off, okay. What about Muda? You think, yeah, yeah. yeah, what about Muda? Muda will win, my, again, my take again. Mm. Right? I could be wrong, right? Yeah. Muda will win seats, but you're talking about maybe eight seats plus minus. Yeah, mm, yeah. Mm, mm. They, they will win seats, mm. but not strong enough to be a, a voice, voice a, a very strong voice to be heard. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because like it or not, we always talk about the important part about a political party is the machinery. Mm. Yep. Right? So what actually is this machinery? So in a very layman term, are you able to pull your supporters out in every corners of the country? Yeah. Out to vote. Like in the villages, for yes. instance. Yes. Just look at the Melaka election before this, right? What Barisan was able to do was actually to send buses to all the rural, rural villages and ferry out the supporters to vote. Yeah. Then think about it. Would, would, would new political parties like, for instance, Muda, would they be able to do that? Do they have the economic Financing. might to be able to do that? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt this podcast. I know it's a little bit annoying, but I want to tell you something that I think can be really helpful to you. I can tell you're really interested in the stock market and want to learn more about it so that you actually know what you're doing, especially when today things are getting more complex and complicated. That's why we came up with the Stock Investing Blueprint or SIB. It's our signature e-learning program that teaches you how to pick the right stocks most of the time, buy and sell it at the best possible time and manage your stock portfolio systematically. It currently has more than 10 hours of content and it's growing. You'll also be part of a group of like-minded investors that can help speed up your learning process. To hop on the program, click on the link in the description or go to learn.viral.co slash courses Slash SIB. So, what do you think if 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 Barisan wins, right? Um, what do you think that means for the economy? Because our view has always been that, say what for some reason, despite all the corruption or alleged corruption of mm. Barisan, they did create a stable mm. uh, economic environment for business and mm. and things like that. And of course, with GST, we could see that a lot of uh, the shortfall from, let's say, corporate or personal income taxes was mm. being handled as a result of GST mm. because actually a lot of people do not uh, qualify to be in the tax bracket. So there needs to be a way to 
It's a very narrow tax bracket. Yeah, very narrow, ten percent, right? Yeah. So what what do you think this means for the economy if Barisan wins? Because I think uh-huh. one thing that is not talked a lot a lot about is that like people just want, and this is the problem with the opposition for yeah. me is like for them for me what the opposition represent is anti BN right <laughs> or anti what, so it's a very like a very reactive thing, right? They don't stand for something, or at least it's not like their key it's message. Clear, it's yeah, not it's clear. Yeah, it's not their key message, la, exactly. Mm. So whereas Barisan, whether you agree or not, they, they stand for something, right? So what do you think this means for the economy? Again, disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. politically neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Uni measure and describe uh, the potential effects. Yeah. Right? yeah. I actually agree with you, right? See, let's let's take a perspective of foreign investors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. What what matters more most to foreign investors, right? Is actually stability Correct. and delivery. Yes. And, and you, you make a quite a good point. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, despite all the corruptions and things like that, right? I think Barisan has actually proven that they have the track record in managing the country. Right. I always like to draw this perspective from Indonesia, mm. yeah, right? Yeah. No Suharto, the, the, oh, the former, dictator. former, former, former dictator of, of, of Indonesia, right? No, there's always been very bad publicity about him, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah corrupted, yeah. but- Genocide, whatever lah. Yeah, but there's another aspect of him where you look at it, in his 20 over years in power in Indonesia, Indonesia achieved 7% GDP every year yeah. mm. for yeah. 20 over yes. years. And during his administration, there is no rice shortages in Indonesia. Mm. and Immediately after his fall, after the Asian financial crisis, no, rice crisis was widespread in Indonesia. <laughs> I mean, I mean there's, there's always two sides of a coin. Yeah. Correct, yeah. correct. Right. There is, it's always a balancing game. Ultimately, it's really, as an individual, what matters more to you. Yes. Right. Um, again, no, do something that, okay, I'm, again, it's nothing wrong, it's nothing right. right? Some, for some people, no, I just want progress for the country. I just want growth for the economy. Yes. Or some people say, no, I want accountability. I want clean government, so on and so forth. But it's just a choice of which one that you, know, you choose, you stand quite, for. Quite, quite, quite interesting that you brought up this point about growth, progress, economic progress, and then accountability, mm-hmm. transparency. Would it be fair for me to also make this cor- uh, correlation? Uh? Those that demand accountability, transparency, and all that are usually those that are well-to-do, mm. more educated, more urban. Yeah. That means they don't need to worry about their next meal. Correct. But the struggle is those that want the growth and all this are those that, hey, they're wearing, uh, they, they will worry about their next meal, uh, probably in the lower, slightly lower income group. And they, they, for them, it's actually progress and uh, their social upwards mobility that matters more than that of, of, of this transparency and all that. I mean, I look back at Thailand, you know, when mm. they had this uh, guy, Abhisit, uh, the, the, the elite, the mm. prime minister who was very well educated. Mm. Yeah, and then he, he, he had a very short reign compared yeah. to Taksin, yeah. but he was in a political elite. He only appealed to political elites, uh, the well-to-dos and all that. Lah. So would it be fair also for me to say that it's actually striking a balance and where do you think that balance should be for Malaysia at this stage of our growth actually? Growth versus probably utmost accountability and transparency. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a very good controversial thing, but I mean, hey, we, since we already opened the can of worms, I mean, we even had friends that were talking, this, these two comparisons, Suharto and that Tanzanian government, I can't remember what was his name, super clean, never corrupted, but that the poor. country, yeah, but very poor, 
no economic progress of the country. Yes, he's incorruptible, but there was nothing done to the country. I can't remember which country. Was it Tanzania or something? I think part of the problem is that uh, we compare ourselves too much to Singapore. Yeah. And unfortunately, I do think that actually no country in the world has got the luck that Singapore has, which is that they had the leader that they have, mm-hmm. which is Prime Minister Lee mm-hmm. Kuan Yew. I, yeah. I think that when you look back in 100, 200 years time, right, the guy shines a very bright light. And I, I think that's just pure luck. Like, how many Lee Kuan Yews can like, you produce? <laughs> the, the reason I say that is because he, had, he has no incentive to build Singapore because mm-hmm. he was a highly educated person. He was a Cambridge lawyer. English speaking in the 30s and 40s. Why mm. give up all of that to run right. Singapore? And it, it took a special individual to do that. So I think that's probably part of the reason mm. why Malaysia is frustrated because they're kind of like looking towards an mm. ideal and a very lucky ideal that we can't get. But anyway, yes, back to John's question about your question. Yeah, where, where, where's, so if coming back to your hypothesis that if BN uh, wins a landslide, there's definitely going to be protector, protractors that say, hey, you know, we're going to re-elect back a government that's corrupt. Yeah, 2.0 coming Yeah, and all this kind of thing. So what what would you, you know, uh, say to, to to that? And also, is that should that be secondary? As, we're not saying we're condoning corruption. No, no, yeah, no, that's exactly. wrong, right? Yeah. But what we're saying is that where do we strike that balancing point at Malaysia's stage today, you see? Okay, my matter, again, I really re-emphasize your point, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we, are, we are not saying that it's fine to have corruption. Correct. Yeah. Of course, in the most ideal situation, yes. there should be zero corruption. Correct. But let's be realistic, right? Yeah. Can any country, like I said, other than Singapore, can any other country achieve an ideal zero corruption situation? Just being realistic about it. Yeah. Idealistic is idealistic. I mean, the closest Rarely we get is the Scandinavian countries, but then there's so many, so many different Yeah, nuances. but when you're, when you're born in a, on a mountain of oil. It's not the it's not the sand the, the, the water, the fluid, you know, it's oil. <laughs> all, you have oil buff every day, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you're born, you know, it's not your mum's uh, placenta. It's, it's oil. So population size five million, so sparsely populated, and then um, very well educated, very yeah, yeah. It's very different. People don't look at the nuances of all these contexts. So coming yeah. back to my question. Let's go back to human nature, right? Yeah, let's talk yeah. about in the human yeah, yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Let's take our fourth prime minister per se. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. This administration looks, there were also corruptions. Yes. Yeah. But people are able to stomach it or yeah. live with it because the economy is growing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So in a very simple human perspective is that for, for a human, as long as I'm also making money, mm. I can live with the fact that yeah, okay, you, know, yes. you, take, you take some kickback here and there. Correct, yeah. correct. They correct. can live with it. Yes. But what is the trigger point is if the economy is going down, mm. people are not making money. Yes. But you're still building a big war chest for yourself. <laughs> yes. I, I yeah, think yeah, that, yeah. that's where the, where the balancing point or, correct. or the trigger point is. Correct. Right, on that perspective. Yeah, correct, yeah. correct, correct, correct. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I just finished uh, Nazir Razak's book. And what surprised me, one of the one many insights, but one of the insights that surprised me was this Peter. He said that, okay, obviously he's coming from his point as a brother to the sitting prime minister. He said that Najib did try mm. to put a stance of moderation, corporate culture yeah, yeah. and all that kind of thing, but it actually backfired on him mm. in, that, in that perspective. That's why he had to go back to a lot of what politics of the past, uh, which is conquer and divide, mm. racial divide, and all that kind of thing. Uh. So okay. what, what MDB aside, right? Of course, yeah. that, that's a landmark for yeah. okay, let, let's let's put MDB aside. Correct. Right. And just look at economic policies perspective. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think Najib did quite a lot of yeah. good economic policies. Exactly. GST was one of them. GST is very good. Yeah. Removal of fuel subsidy is absolutely needed. Yes. Right? 
And honestly, I mean, in terms of uh, striking racial tensions, I mean, yes. this is the most sensitive past. Yes. If you compare with the past prime minister, other than Tunku Abdul Rahman, yes. I think he's the least that actually- Correct, he's very neutral actually. He's, he's quite neutral. He yes. don't play this court. So yeah. there's only him and Rahman that's actually more- Correct. The rest were all- Yeah. I but mean, this is our opinion. Forget, la. La. But of yeah. course people forget. I mean, for a lot of people voting today, history began in 2000 and- <laughs> <laughs> Correct, correct. So I, I mean, that's why people people were like, it's always to the worst right now, right? So yeah. Um, so maybe let's move into some of the industries now, right? Mm -hmm. um, like globally, what are some of the existing industries, the old industries that you're, you're, you're thinking that's going to be a, a rebound? Because this year, one of the big things about uh, the stock market is how um, growth is declining, like yeah. stocks, so to speak, and value <laughs> is making a comeback, yeah. so to speak, right? And I use value in the way okay. that the, 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 the commonly accepted understanding mm. of <laughs> value where it's low PE and low price to book and all that. So that version of value uh -huh. is making a comeback, which usually implies all industries like your oil and gas and uh -huh. all that. And then the new industries, the growth is actually Thinking. Thinking. So what do you think about this right now? Uh, and I do know that when you were on the podcast in May, I think last year or April, you did uh, talk about how you saw that tech was not very old, uh, was overvalued, overvalued on the more overvalued side. And of course, right now you've been vindicated. Some of the stocks are down like, like globally is like 40, 50%. I think yeah. in Malaysia mm -hmm. it's like uh, not as bad actually. Yeah. So we have lost less <laughs> 20, 30%. Yeah, but what, what, what are your thoughts? I like your disclaimer of value, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that's the marketing definition. <laughs> and then that's the actual Warren Buffett exactly, definition. Exactly. Of like buy future cash flows yeah. and buy it for a lot less. That yes, was, yes, yes. I, I like Charlie Munger's definition. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not sure if it's quoted by him. I was told it's quoted by him last okay. year, right? Yeah, he was yeah. saying that actually all investors mm. practice value investing. Correct. Yeah, yeah, the only different is some people see value in a good company and some see value in a bad company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, you see, the, the, the switch between growth or so-called following so -called, the, the, so -called, the so called growth so -called and value, growth, right? Yeah. It has been a cycle. Mm. Yeah. Whenever the growth is overvalued, right? Investors will ask, what is cheap now? Mm. Say for instance, if everything has gone up to 30, 40, or even 50 times PE multiple, mm, mm, mm. then they, they ask, ask hey, let's look for something that's single digit. Yeah. So then they all fly or all zoom due to those single digit B. Yes. So that's dim to that cycle. Yeah. Right. So once that low value bring up to say maybe 10, 20 times PE, yeah. then they say, hey, you know, this one is a bit expensive now. Because see, when money flows out from here to this sector, Correct. they will exit from the so-called growth. Yeah. So then the growth will actually drop in terms of share price, which then the PE will drop. Right. So then they look at it, hey, you know, for the same valuation, say for instance, parity 2020, right? Mm. This one got more growth. Yeah. So let's go back to growth, right? So yeah, then again, yeah. they'll move it. It's, it's, that, it's a common cycle, yeah. right? Everything is cyclical in the market. The only difference is whether the cycle is a short cycle or the cycle is a long cycle. Mm. Let's take tech, for instance. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people don't realize tech sector is a cyclical sector. Yes. Yeah. The it only is. difference is this time around, the cycle is just longer. Yeah. But it doesn't eliminate the fact it is a cyclical sector. Yes. The last rush of tech in Malaysia, if for those who remember. 2017, right? No, it was 2014-15. Uh, ah. That was the last rush, last rush into it. 16-17, it died it down. Mm. Then came 2020, you know, the whole thing just came again. Yeah. Right? Just that the only difference is now it stretched longer from 2020 all, all the way to now. Mm. But it's still cyclical in nature. Mm -hmm. right? So 
to, to back back to your question, I think the, the shift is always we call it rotational play mm. between so called so called the growth value, growth value. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um your thoughts on on regulation coming into play because a lot of these big tech companies are are growing to such a size, a mammoth. And and you know, in the past we have the Marbell AT&T breakup. Um, you and you also, I mean, if you go back even more longer, mm. then you have the standard oil kind of breakup, right? Do you foresee, I mean, on a global scale, right? These tech companies growing so large that the governments of the day actually want to clamp, break it down through either regulation, through either breaking these monopolies huh? and, and your thoughts on that actually. If you look at US, mm. the Democrats are actually pushing for it. Mm. They're pushing for breakup, right? Yep. To a certain extent, I actually do agree with that. Mm. Right? I think the tech, companies have reached scale, mm. they are so big that there is no room for a new competitor to come in. Yeah. Right? So yeah, look at 100%. all the data is being controlled by you know, just a few places. Your, yes. your, your, your Meta per se, yeah. your Google, yeah, Amazon. Alibaba, your Amazon. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no room for a new company to come in. Yeah. Right? So imagine a world going forward where all the data of the world is controlled by you know, this handful of companies. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, unfortunately to a large extent, I am also a proponent of Break up. Mm. They, they need to be broken down so that there is no concentration of data in the hands of only a certain company. Okay, and and in that in that same vein, uh, China is trying to do the same thing. So how how would you, in a way, advise uh, as investors? If let's say your hypothesis comes true and they break mm. up, what are the risks and how do we protect ourselves against this kind of risk? Because you see the same being done on Tencent, Alibaba, mm. you know, and and. How do investors actually protect themselves against this if that risk is true? Because I, I, I was just listening to a US hedge fund manager podcast about uh, Meta and they mm. said that at the growth rate, at the valuation of where Meta is, right, is it's impossible. I think they are trading at how many times PE and 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's insane, you know, for a company growing at that kind of clip, right? But here is what's looming uh, uh, besides the tech sell down, it's actually the risk of deregulation and yeah. and yeah. So how do investors protect themselves against all this actually? I think my my my, my perspective on China is a bit, is different. Okay. I think where China is coming from is very different from where the US is coming from. Yep. Mm-hmm. China is not really targeting the tech industry per okay. se. Okay. They are just trying to realign business practices. So if we really look into so-called the clam down or not the clam down, right? The, the attack. Uh, yeah. On them, notice it's all for very different reasons. Mm. Right? You take, for instance, the first one, Alibaba. Yeah. Alibaba is a very straightforward issue, right? Mm. You look at their loan division. Yes. Right. They are taking all the profits. Yes. But the bank is taking all the risks. Mm. So the government is not against it. Mm. What the government did was they just want to balance out and say, hey, you want to give this loan to consumer. Previously, Alibaba don't give out much capital. Correct. Because it's all by so what China government is just saying, well. I, I allow you do, I'm not against you doing this business. Yes. I just need you to put in more capital on your side. Yes. Right. So that you share the risk with the, with the banks. banks. So it's just realignment. Mm. When I come to Tencent, right, mm. it's always this issue about you know, the younger generation spending too much time on their mm. more mm. games. Precisely. So they're saying, okay, I'm going to limit every week. There's only a certain amount of hours you can play. Yes. When it comes to online tuition or no, online education, right, yes. with the actually clamp down. Yeah. What the government then realized was, right, you see, in the common exam or China's common exam, the rural children are doing better and better. Mm. Whereas the rural children are lagging uh, urban, behind. Urban children. Yeah. Sorry, urban are doing better, whereas uh, the rural, rural are lagging yeah. behind. 
right? What happened was just the urban, they can afford Correct. to pay for online tuition. Correct. Whereas the rural, they can't. Yeah. So then I can just say, well, I'm going to readjust this to make sure there's equal. So you think about implication, right? Yeah. Long-term implication, the urban children, you multiply this by another 10 to 15 years. What's going to happen? You're going to have a very big social divide. Correct. Children from urban will progress very well, but mm. children from rural is will be le left, left behind. behind. So what I'm saying, I'm not against online tuition, but I just said, anyone can provide online tuition, just that it can't be for profit-oriented. Mm. They're not against it. Yeah. You can continue to do it. Actually, it's a smart way of trying to realign shared prosperity, equal prosperity. Exactly. exactly. So yeah. see, it's very different. So yeah, it, it may sound like, well, this is like, we are in a, in a what we call it, a laissez-faire economy, yes. you know, this is a free capital market. But I, I think China has different, look at things differently. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you use a very good word. Yeah. Shared prosperity is what has been the emphasis of China. Correct. Yeah. Not so much of purely capitalist market, no maximum profit. They want to make sure that no, there is really no huge gap in the China, China yeah. as a whole. Correct. They're not against the capitalism, but they said when you grow uh, the society in a capitalistic manner, hopefully everyone gets the same. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They share the pie. Right. Yeah. But with regards to Alibaba, your point about the loans one, right? Like how is that different from like an investment bank? Mm. Mm. Where the reason, the whole idea is that, okay, look, I've got a bunch of data. I can tell the bank. Mm. Uh, the risk profile of all these people. Mm. So then the bank just loans these people the money because I, I can see they, they can see all the consumer behavior mm -hmm. and Alibaba just takes a fee. No, it, that it, was the logic, right? No, you must compare them to people like say for for instance, um like when say for Malaysia, say Aeon Credit, for instance, mm -hmm. right? See, Aeon Credit, they will have to take a loan themselves. Yes. To raise mm -hmm. funds. Yes, yes. And I then see. they loan out the fund. Correct, correct. And then they earn the split from it. Yeah. So right. when companies like Aeon Credit Okay, maybe I shouldn't use company names. That sounds yeah. bad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. No, it's okay. <laughs> right. So they have to take the risk because yes, they have to incur right. costs. They hold the bag. Correct. Correct. They, they the bag. have to hold the bag. But not for Ali, Alibaba. No, Alipay. Alipay, Alipay, Alipay or Alibaba. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are a middleman, but I'm not taking any risk, but I'm in between the, the, the profit I'm passing to the bank, I'm, I'm, take, I'm taking the big chunk of the profit. Yes. Yet I'm not taking the risk. Yeah. Right. So what the chunk is like, yeah, can you must take on more capital? Capital as in like, you put in more, more. You have to be in a way, in short, you have to be regulated like a bank, lah. Exactly. Basel one, two, three requirements, mm. lah. Tier one capital Correct. and all that kind of thing. So they Ali, wanted to get away. Uh, Alipay yeah. has been operating out yeah. of the purview of China Central Bank. Mm. Right. Which you are in the business of lending money. Correct. But Correct. Yet at the same time, you're not under the purview of. Correct. Doesn't sound right. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. And also, I think it will be a ticking time bomb if they look forward. Right. It will be ticking time bomb to almost like a mortgage-backed security problem in the yes. subprime crisis and all that Because yeah. mm. you, you think about it, all, all the risk being bore by the mm. bank, and yet they have no say about uh, credit scoring or, or or risk management yeah. for all these. Right. Yeah. So it's it's yeah it's kind of a. Right, like, it's an interesting discussion. I think it's for another time. But yeah. I, I think there's something to be said of the risk part. I think mm. someone in Alibaba would say that we took the risk before that to build the platform the, the network that allows so-and-so the ability to just come to one platform mm. to then do business. And that's the big advantage and to have all this data to see. But anyway, that's a, that's a separate discussion. <laughs> yeah. um, so how about like some of the sectors that have gone down a lot, which are the tech sectors and mm. Will you then now change your view that it is, uh, obviously it's not as overvalued as before by definition, it has mm. gone down. But do you think that this is a level that would get you excited about it? Like it did maybe in 2017, 2018? Mm. I would say not really. See, before this correction, I think the, the tech index in Malaysia hit the peak in November. Yeah, yeah. Until November, our 
PE mm. as, as a collectively, right? I think it's traded around 60 times PE multiple. Mm. From November until at this point in time, I think the tech has technically corrected plus minus 20%. Mm. It's rebounded a bit, but it's take 20%. So likewise for the PE has actually gone down by 12 points. So it brought up to 48 <laughs> times PE. Mm. Okay. Historical level, Malaysia's tech industry PE as a whole, collectively, mm. is mm. around 30. Mm. Mm. Average. Median. Average Median is around 30, right? Mm. So that gives you an answer, right? In a sense, yes, it has dropped 20%. But has it dropped to a reasonable level? Mm. Um, personally, I'm not mm. so keen yet, right? Mm. Because right. bear in mind, all this drop 20, you're still talking about 48 times on average, mm. Mm. right? Mm. Versus 30 times. Right. You actually mean the historical level. But then there's a skew, right, Peter? Obviously, when you look at any median or average data, mm. there's a skew of very highly priced companies that command mm. yeah. 60, 70 like times PA. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then at the same time, you have, uh, okay, I'm trying to avoid specific names too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you have yeah. certain companies within the Correct. niche that commands like, I, I don't see anything less than 20 for any tech. Yeah. I think yeah. I'll ask the question this way. I know where you're coming from. Yeah. I think, you know, the tech, <laughs> Uh, sector in Malaysia broadly can be separated into four broad okay. categories, right? Your OSETs, your uh -huh. ATEs, okay. your EMS. I can't remember the last one. No, no, no it's, it's four. Lah. EMS, uh, ATEs, uh, OSETs. OEM. No, not, OEM, yeah. very small. Lah. It's very small. I mean, like, oh, they uh -huh. consider, sometimes they consider someone like Uchi as an OEM. Like uh -huh. where do you rank like Unisem, for example? Unisem would be an OSET. 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 Okay, yeah. so anyway, let's say there's three, right? Yeah. Which area, like, uh, do you... Like, have you looked into the different areas about how cheap they are and also like which one you're more, more, a lot more interested in? I think the, 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 the thing is this, within all the three categories, yeah, yeah. there are companies with very high PE. Yes. Yeah, 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 correct. There are also companies with, not to say single digit cheap, cheap per se, correct, but correct, are correct. still values can be found. Yes. So to me is I won't categorize, I won't split myself to see, okay, whether I'm going to focus on EMS, I focus see. on okay, okay. or focus right, on ATE. Okay. Yeah. But I'll focus more of individual company basis. Mm -hmm. right? Within these companies, these growth companies, which are still value price yeah. with good growth prospect. Yeah. That I'm not being overpaying for the growth. Mm -hmm. I'll actually use that approach because see, let's take AT for instance, right? Or yeah. automatic testing machines, right? Yeah. Tester yeah. machines, right? Although we, we lump all these companies within ATE sector, but yet they are still very different Correct. one Correct. from another. Exactly, exactly. So, so that, that's that's the challenge. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah. like like for example, I just met uh, uh, a company. <laughs> I, just, I cannot, cannot name. Sorry. <laughs> so they they were actually in precision manufacturing. Okay. But they're moving into building testers. I just found out. Right. <laughs> and then because of that, they command very high PE. Uh, uh, um, and and yeah, they, the the struggle is this: when you look at averages, when you look at peer to peer comparison, as you rightly pointed out, right. Until and unless you know the business that well, right? Yeah. You don't even, I mean, they could be the same segment ATE, but they are building testers for different sub-segments mm -hmm. that command different times, yeah. command different growth right. rates and all this kind of things. I think that's what you're trying to point out. And right? also let's talk about building testers, for instance, right? Yeah. So if you go, go a step further, yeah. look into it. You can build your own testers. Mm. But then the next question is, mm. how many of the parts are really your own in-house parts? Precisely. And how many are actually outsource parts. Say for instance, right? Yeah. The measurement units. For yeah. all testers, the most important is a measurement unit. The Correct. one that actually do all the parameters, right? Correct. I can buy a measurement unit from foreign companies yeah. in Japan or yes. even German. Yes. I just use the measurement unit and 
voila, you know, I can build a tester. They, they call <laughs> system- just an assembler. <laughs> like, actually, they call the, the right term would be systems integrator. La. Yeah, it sounds, yeah. sounds, yeah. Funky, uh, yeah. sounds sophisticated. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you, just, integrator. you put Lego blocks together. <laughs> yeah. but, but, see, but technically, you're right. You, mm. you, are, you are building a tester machine. Yes, yeah. yes. So that's why I said, no, although the capability, yeah, yeah. capability is different, you need to go a bit deeper to yeah, really- Correct. You know, for sure, for sure. Go down the, the are, are you really having the capability to build a real tester? For me, is you are, when really the whole unit is your own your own proprietary knowledge, your own proprietary mm. technology. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And and here here comes the uh, related question, uh, Peter. If we were to look at um, investing in Bursa as mm. a whole, I mean, we can't deny that the, a lot of the growth of the Malaysian export economy comes from Semicon. Mm. But are there still uh, other industries in general that Malaysian investors, because a lot of, what the people we meet who do not have a tech background, who do not have, uh, 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 how would I say, familiarity with Semicon, yep. they, would, they would like something of a business, a simpler business to understand. So you're talking about the normal FMCG companies or even um, plastics. plastics. Uh, plastic may be a little bit difficult. Maybe biscuits, uh, talk about biscuits, uh, mm. right? But at the same time, we are encumbered by a very small population uh, even our car industry, I think if you just limit mm. it to here. So can the Malaysian investor avoid investing in the tech sector in a way? Can they? You can, you can. Um, let, let's take my, my, my take on 2022, right? Uh. In fact, the industry that I favor for 2022 mm. uh-huh. is actually more of finance industry, mm-hmm. consumer, mm-hmm. industrial, mm-hmm. and also building materials. Mm. Huh. To write the theme of the, 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 the comeback. Yeah. Not, not so much that. Mm. Mm. But so, over the long run, okay. So let's just say if someone were not that, uh, how do I say? Uh, not that familiar or not that rapid enough to change themes mm-hmm. and buying over the longer run, can mm-hmm. he or she avoid tech altogether? Well, that it really depends on whether do they know what they're buying into. Mm. Right? See, I said, I mentioned earlier, tech has its cycle. Yes. yes. But if you have the holding power mm, mm. to stomach that cycle yeah, yeah. in the long end, you still do pretty well. Mm. Right? Mm, mm, so mm. again, right, it's, it's something really very individual perspective. Understand. Right? Understand. Look at right. even some people like my, my favorite example, you no, know, yeah. they bought public bank. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what, what, what was my number again? Um, assuming one, one person invested in 1987, that's yeah. when the, the new BUSA that we have now yes. is 1987. Before yeah. we have BUSA, but not the BUSA we have now. Yeah. Right. Every 1,000 in public band in 1987, totally do nothing, forgot about it. Yeah. It's worth half a million. And that's not, that's not including dividend reinvested, right? It's just pure- Oh, including, including dividend ah, reinvested. Okay, okay. So every 1,000 is half a million. Yeah. Right, so, and that's bank. Yes. Right. So likewise, it's not so much of which sector can generate you the ultra return. Mm, mm, mm. It's more on really what company invest in mm. that generates that ultra high return. Yeah. Right. So I, hopefully you don't mind me being a little bit of a devil's advocate. Right? The uh-huh. banks, right? Mm. They enjoy the prosperity of the 1980s, the mm. roaring tigers and mm. all that kind of thing. Do you foresee that being replicated again? I think the challenge for bank now is actually the Basel regulations. Mm. The capital requirement. Tier one, tier two, yeah, tier three capital. It's really providing stress. Look at Malaysian Bank. Mm, mm. The ROE has been on the decline since the implementation of Basel Three. Okay. Uh, I think, let me, let me recall, I could be wrong, but yeah. off my head, the downtrend actually started way back 
even maybe 2013. Okay. Yep. That was where the peak of Malaysian ROE was. But once Basel III came into force, uh, every single bank, you know, be uh, it, even public bank, okay. the ROE was on the gradual downtrend. So regulatory requirement, okay, this is not maybe not regulatory requirement. Mm. Basel requirement actually has caused a big pressure on the I ROE. See. I see. And ultimately, like it or not, banks are always valued on ROE. Mm. Right? That's why banks are not performing. Because mm. maybe say, hey, you know, it's, it's a downtrend ROE. Yeah, yeah. But I think we, we have to be fair to a certain extent. You know, the, the, the downtrend is really more due to Basel requirement mm, other than mm, anything mm. else. In terms of population growth and you know we, mm. we are coming into a more aging society for Malaysia, mm -hmm. does that not also bought well, not just to banks, but also in general in economy? Because I was studying um, MAA data that day, mm -hmm. uh, Peter, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I think Malaysia has not broke through the 600,000 new cars per sale, uh, sale per year uh, mm -hmm. over the past 10 or 20 years. Uh, and I, 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 in my assumption, uh, is because of our stagnant, in a way, population stagnation, in a mm -hmm. way. And the other thing is that unless and until we can really tap into the Asian markets, mm -hmm. then only our Malaysian companies have a slightly bigger time. I mean, compared to, don't talk about the glove, glove guys and all that who export elsewhere, but a low, more locally domestic, like the automotive guys, the banks and all that, will the population size be a stagnating factor for their growth? That, that's where my question is coming from. Okay. That is actually, there's a very simple way for Malaysia to hit 600,000 total <laughs> industry volume. Uh. Put an age limit of the on the old cars. Oh, <laughs> like 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 Singapore lah. <laughs> Let me look at the number of old cars they are in the road. I'm right. not against old cars, but yeah, yeah. You see that that's another way to look at it, right? I mean, yes. we can we can encourage car sales. Yes. As long as we put a limit of you know, <laughs> oh. maximum fifteen years. So that will help the banks also. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But, but the challenge to this is, Malaysia, we have a very big secondhand car market. Mm. If they were to do this, I tell you. All the, the APs la. The second the, car market will be wiped off. I see. It's, it's, a, it's quite a big comic impact. Mm. So that's why it has been, if I recall correctly, I think the, the year 2000 plus, I uh -huh. remember exactly, they were actually toying with this idea. I see. To put the age limit on the car. But then the government realized, right? The implication or, or the domino effect on the second hand car market. Will wipe you. Yeah. Very, very bad. Yeah. Very, very bad. Yeah. That's why you know, they actually hold their horses. Uh, just saying, they chose not to do anything. But I, back right. to your point, right? We, we can hit 600,000. <laughs> we just put H limit. No, we, we hit 6,000 very fast. <laughs> <laughs> very true. How Depends on which lever you want to pull on him, correct or not? Yeah. yeah. And, and related to that, so you've mentioned that, okay, good, uh, your hypothesis or your opinion is that you can avoid not investing in Semicon. Uh, but the other industries, where do you think we can go from here? What are the other uh, matrices that we should look at for, for someone like, let's say an OFI, I know I'm trying to avoid names, but I'm just using <laughs> the Nestle's and all, the Nestle's of this world, the Dutch lady, right? I mean, I've been looking at Dutch lady, uh, their, their revenue is just yeah. flat. <laughs> and, uh, while we have less children, people drink less milk and that kind of thing. So it's also related to upcoming FMCG companies like, you know, like Farm mm. Fresh and all that. If we were just to focus on the Malaysian market, will, what, are, what are your thoughts in terms of growth and See, what are the stagnating factors? Is it? If you think about it, you made a very interesting point. See, mm. why tech industry in Malaysia mm. are growing faster than other industries? The time is bigger, right? In a way. Because they're all exported. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so the key parameter is not because they are tech industry. Mm. The key parameter is because export sales is the biggest chunk of their sales. Yeah, correct. So likewise, if you look at Malaysia consumer without naming names, right? Yeah, yeah. 
like what I said, why Dutch lady is flattish. Yes. Why Nestle is to a certain extent flattish or greenish? Because yeah. they are only focusing on Malaysia sales. Correct. So what is important for a consumer company or any other company, be it building materials or whatever, uh, okay, bad example, building materials, yeah. uh, industrials or any manufacturing-based products. Yes, right? yes. Is what, how big is your export market mm. compared to your sales? Mm. So if a company say, for instance, I have 70% local sales, 30% export sales. Mm, mm. So definitely the fate of a company is more dependent on local situation. Mm. But if it's opposite, say, hey, 70% of sales are actually overseas. Yeah. Malaysia is only 30%. Then really, you know, the, the ability to grow is how depends how hard they work. Correct. Just really how hard they work. Yeah, yeah. It's something like, uh, I mean, if you look at a convenience store, it will be the difference between I already hit plateau of number of stores I can open, but it's uh, same stay, uh, same store growth, <laughs> sales yeah, growth. Yeah, yeah. Correct. yeah versus, versus that of can I grow more stores? So, you know? so what I'm trying to say is the tech industry is growing fast. Mm. It's because it's an export-oriented business. Yes. They are not depending on the local consumption. Correct. So likewise, you can find as long as you be a bit more hardworking, you yeah. go and look at other sectors, as long as they export sales constitute a bigger part of their mm. business. Mm, mm, mm. There's also equal opportunity to grow. Yeah. Not, not only so it's not the tech per se. Correct. Right? correct. It's the export sales per se. Per se. Right. Yeah. So yeah. then like your thoughts on banks and you say that they have this problem with ROE. Like, uh, yeah, ROE and uh, Basel uh, mm. courts essentially. Then why do you think that in 2022, that's going to be, it's going to be a year where maybe uh, they'll make a comeback. And then we'll move on to some of your other mm. thoughts on the other guys, as well, other industries. Well, you look at bank. Bank actually has been a laggard for many, many years. Mm. Not, not even not even 2020 before. COVID, right? even before Pre, that, Pre-COVID. La. Pre-COVID. Bank, bank has been a massive laggard. Mm-hmm. Right? But look at in terms of deliveries, right? Mm. Loan growth is doing very well. Yeah. They've been doing very good loan growth. Yeah. Balance sheet is strong. It's way yeah. beyond the 1997 Asian financial crisis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that in a way is a blessing in disguise from Correct. Malaysia, right? And yeah. valuation is actually cheap. Yeah. Okay, where valuation, look at banks are actually valued on the, of course, I mentioned ROE and also price to book. Yeah. So look at, in terms of generally, without naming any banks, yeah. generally the industry as a whole or the finance sector is actually in the price to book basis, it's actually trading at below the historical mean level. Mm. Right. Loans are not slowing down. Credit situation is good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, the moratorium ho- helps substantially on yeah. the balance sheet, yeah. right? Which people assume is going to be bad for the bank, but actually, actually helping the banks. Mm. So, and it has not been performing for many, many years. Mm. And there are some banks, again, without naming names, that pays a very good dividend. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Right? And then I always joke about this, right? The, the, the backbone of any economy are the banks. Mm. If the bank collapse, right? Nothing, nothing you invest in the country will help you. <laughs> I, actually, there's a joke. Uh, I, I know we try to avoid naming names, but I have a fellow ex-colleague. He said, right? You invest in main bank, mm-hmm. regardless of what price, because if main bank falls, right, yeah. the whole country also don't need to think already. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether, yeah. yeah. Then how like about like, uh, you know, your, you, you mentioned things like consumers and mm. building materials. So yeah, maybe like with consumers, because the, you know, consumer companies are not known to have export markets. So it's your thoughts that it's more like going back to what they were previously. That's why you're interested in these sectors. Again, consumer is, is big. So if you really cut down the sector mm, again, mm. you're talking about consumer manufacturing or you're talking about consumer ah. retailing. Mm. Okay, okay. Consumer retailing is, is quite easy perspective. To call I see. A thesis in the sense, look, last two years was a lockdown. Yeah, yeah. You can't open your stores, you can't do business. Correct, correct. Right? If 2022 is a year where you know there's no more lockdown, yeah. fingers crossed. Yes, 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 <laughs> right? yes. You're definitely going to do better than 2021 and 2020. Mm, that's right. mm, mm, so that's where the recovery comes. Mm, mm. When it comes to manufacturing, then again, it's split between domestic and export. Yeah. 
last two years, export is challenging because of all the lockdowns I mentioned, you no know, ports actually affects the port operation as well. Correct, correct. So what has been driving most of the consumer, I won't say all, more consumer stocks in terms of manufacturing consumer yes. has been actually been the domestic sales. Mm. Not so much of the export sales. Mm, mm, so mm. again, assuming that this year, you no know, things go up back to normal, port, yeah. hopefully fingers crossed again, port operations go back to more efficient, mm. may not fully recover, but you know, at least it become more efficient. Yeah. Export sales will start, start to kick in, yeah. start to improve. That's why I know that there will be another growth driver to that. Understand. Mm-hmm. Industrial, same thing. I know you got lockdown one, lockdown two, and last year all of the sudden you got lockdown 3.0. <laughs> Industrial, you can't move. And even when you try to move, no, right? When you got one COVID cases, uh, Miti will come, KKM will come, you yeah, have to shut down this, shut down that. Yes, you know? yes. So industrial has not, again, not able to op- operate optimal capacity mm, mm, for mm. the last two years. Yeah. Again, fingers crossed if this year everything goes well, you know, yeah. they are definitely going to do much better mm. than last year. But of course, I wouldn't say every single company do much correct, better than last correct, year. Correct, 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 correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't want to jump the gun, but I was about to ask, but never mind. I think come back to other sectors. So if you look at the KLCI, mm. <laughs> very huge weightage on GLCs, banks, and uh, probably I think Inari was the first one, first yeah. tech company to be on the index, right? <laughs> now, going forward, I think uh, one one big component that uh, Malaysia is actually known for is actually oil palm, mm. oil palm. And, you know, with a lot of these uh, uh, European Union um, sanctions or whatever you call them, right? Uh, what are your thoughts on this industry going forward? I mean, a lot of people don't understand, but it's one of the most efficient crop plant to be used, but how would Malaysia go forward from here? How, I, I don't think we can um, invert the negative connotations that a lot of these Western countries have against oil palm, but do you see a future for oil palm? And how would you evaluate an oil palm company in Malaysia? That's why you look at it. When I say about commodities, mm. not only oil palm, but, but in, this, in this case, say palm oil for instance, right? Mm-mm. The demand, in terms of quantity, uh-huh. it's very different from the price situation. Yes. The price has been volatile. Yes. But the demand has not been slowing down. Mm. The demand has been con- consistently, consistently going up year yeah. after year. Yes. So despite all this, no, uh, what, uh, sanction, blah, no, uh, uh, India, I'm going to import less, China, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. import more. Actually, the reality is the consumption of palm oil has been constantly going up. Yeah. What is causing the volatility of the price Right. Of course, there are many, many factors, but the, the two biggest factors is, like it or not, palm oil is riding on the price of soy oil, mm. soybean oil. Mm. Soybean oil is to a certain large extent the price maker. Yeah. Whereas palm oil is a price taker. Mm. Just a follower for that. Yeah. Right. The second, of course, is financial instruments. Mm. All your futures trading, mm. you know, all the shorties, hedges, longies, whatever you call those, right? Yeah. So it's actually this element that's causing the volatility of the palm oil price. Mm, 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 mm. Not the demand. Mm. So the volatility of the oil price has actually nothing to do with the demand. <laughs> <laughs> a great point. And, and I mean, today historic is historical high, 5,600 5, per ton, metric yeah, yeah, ton, yeah. right? Was it, do you, do you foresee this long time coming? And then how do you think, do you think it will last one? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that the existing palm oil guys will actually be able to play to, uh, to their advantage? And do you think it's sustainable at this price? Okay. Because, yeah. First thing is, the, the logistic, global logistic issue has contributed partly mm. or, or to a large extent yeah. of the rally of all global commodities. Mm, mm. Not, not only palm oil per se, right? Yeah. This is a big, big rally on that, yeah. right? The second is, as I mentioned, to look at palm oil prices, you must also look at soybean oil prices. Mm. The difference between palm oil and soybean is this. 
Soybean is a seasonal crop. Mm. You plant, you harvest, you destroy, you burn, you plant, you get, and actually they're causing more pollution than palm oil to yeah. a large extent. Yes. So because they're seasonal in nature, soybean oil can easily alter its supply mm. much faster than palm oil. I see. Right. So we have to watch what is the soybean planting season or, mm. or, or, the, or the direction. Yeah, so yeah. if soybean is increasing its production to a record level to actually take advantage of it, soybean price will soften. Yeah. And likewise, palm oil will soften. soften. Right. Third, of course, is the strength of US dollars. Mm. Right. Commodities is largely affected by the strength of US dollars. Mm. If US dollars goes stronger, commodity prices will drop mm. or go lower. Mm. If the pump, if the US dollars goes weaker, commodity prices will actually goes up. Yeah. Right. So to answer the fourth element of it, also which to answer your question about will our local place be able to take advantage? Yeah. Actually, one of the biggest reasons why you have the all-time high, no, the all-time high, right? For the last record high of yeah. 5,000 over per ton, but why isn't our plantation companies rallying in the yeah, share price? Yes, right? yes. Labor issues. Again, okay. You're able to see a very high price, yeah. but you've got production issue. You're not able to maximize, you can't fully capitalize <laughs> yeah. on the high price. <laughs> so cost structure is also very, very different. Mm. Now, our cost of production is now is way higher than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, yes, yes. So that's yes. why the, the sentiment, the ability to produce, ability to take advantage of the current oil price is not there. Mm. So that actually explains why, despite the rally in this price, the plantation companies are not rallying in terms of their share price. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So where, where is like, for example, uh, like gloves? In, in, in your thinking. Has <laughs> it, uh, it changed since the last sweat? Uh, no. Sweat. <laughs> uh, I've been very unpopular talking about gloves. Gloves. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, my, my view, right? I think I was one of the best for gloves for very long. Yeah. <laughs> Has it ended? I, I think no. I think honestly, I, I think more challenges ahead. Mm more challenges ahead. Um, let me put things in perspective. Mm. Right? Take the, the, the world biggest glove company, for instance. Yeah. Right? Uh, before the pandemic, average glove, you're talking about maybe US dollars 25 per thousand pieces. Yeah, 20, 25 to 30, yeah, ASP. Depending on what, how many grams. Correct, 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 correct. Let's correct. take 25, right? Yeah. And their highest profit pre-pandemic was, I think, plus minus 490 million a year. Mm. During the pandemic, the prices shot up to spot prices is shot as high as hundred fifty dollars spot per prices per thousand. Right, of course, if you take credit orders, uh, much much less, maybe hundred hundred twenty plus minus, but it's still mm. significantly way higher than twenty five. Yeah, and that's why I got this billions and billions of profit. Yeah, as per the last quarter, they reported hundred eighty million of profit. Yeah, a quarter. Yeah, so a, multiply by four. A drop from two billion. Yeah, a drop yeah. from two billion. Right, so it's more than ninety percent drop. Yeah. And if my guesstimate is correct, at that point in time, we are talking about maybe ASP is still likely between 30 to 40, 40-ish. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's 180 million per quarter. Yeah. As we are talking now, the ASP has fallen below 30. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is, even that 180 million per quarter is not the end. Yeah. There's still more, more downside pressure on to, to that. Actually, I think I was looking at the data yesterday. Um, the Frost and Sullivan report part of the prospectus for the top, for that, that Hong big, Kong. for the Hong Kong one. <laughs> the Hong Kong one. Yeah, the Hong Kong one. Uh. Was predicting to, uh, in 2022, ASPs would be roughly about 40, 50. It's now come down to half, you know. 
So so yeah, I mean, if you look at the, that that ASP, right? I think Hong the Hong Leong analyst was saying, right now is anyway twenty five to thirty, which is pre pandemic already. Actually, my take is I'm even more bearish. I think you will drop to below pre pandemic. Is it pre pandemic because of demand? Uh, because of supply oversupply. Is it? I used to ask this question, which is not very, very again, got, got me very yeah. unpopular, right? Yeah, yeah. I used to make this statement, even during pandemic time. Yeah. I said, there's actually no glove, there's no glove shortages, mm. even during pandemic time. Mm -hmm. I asked this question, have you seen any media reporting any part in the world that, mm. say for instance, a hospital in South America, there's, Running no, out of there's no glove in mm. this hospital, or mm. even Namibia got no glove in hospital. Don't see any, mm, 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 right? Had there really been a glove shortage on the ground on hospitals, right? Mm. This is a world major news. It's yes, going to come yes, out, right? yes. yeah, This hospital got no, but ran no. out of gloves. No. <laughs> so the question is: Is there really a shortages of gloves globally? Mm. Actually, my take is no. What has been the demand has been on the middleman, the distributor has been stocking up, mm. and that demand from the middleman is causing the impression there's a global glove shortages. Mm. Now, why I'm more pessimistic on the ASP. Again, there's no data available. Yes, my, yes. my guesstimate is, based on how much they bought for the last two years, they have enough inventory to last the next two years. Mm. They will still restock. Yes. But they won't restock at the rate you, you saw at 2020. Correct. Mm. So, right. So now, when the demand will fall below to 2020 level, what is the trend of ASP? And not to mention, they have enough stocks for the next two years. Yes. Two to three years, I might guess. You'll be on a downtrend. You'll be on a downtrend. So honestly, I don't think 25 is the end. <laughs> I think you're really looking at even much lower. That's one part of the equation. Second, mm. no, the two, the two largest economy in the world, China and US, they've also started their own nitrile glove production plants. Correct, correct. China, because it's, again, more of no penetration. Yeah. US coming from a very different perspective. Yeah. US coming for glove security. Yeah. That's the experience security. last year, right? You know, yes. I have to import from these countries and there's shortages. I have to go and stock up. Yeah. So now these big guys, like even your Kimberly and whatnot, all these big giants, right? You know, they're actually exploring to build plants, not to make money. Yeah. But it's really more of glove security. Yes. Okay, now statistic per se. Before pandemic, if you're a Malaysian glove company, I wouldn't name names. Yeah. You have a six billion pieces per annum capacity. Yep. You're still losing money. Mm. <laughs> before pandemic. Eh? Yeah. Interesting point is why this number is important. All the expansion you saw last year for all these new newcomers that come, like, notice yeah. all their numbers is 1 billion to 3 billion. <laughs> yeah. If a 6 billion capacity can't make money. Well, I want to say the 1, 2 billion okay, guys, now. right? Now let's assume 1 billion is the break even. Eh? Let's yeah. assume it's, it's a minimal size to our glove company. Yeah. Do you know how many new glove companies registered in China last year? Registered minus the unregistered the <laughs> 2,000. Wow. So Insane, just man. Imagine if I just give this 2,000 company minimum 1 billion pieces a year, yeah. that's 2 trillion pieces of glove mm. from China alone. What was the global sales of glove in 2020 at the peak of the pandemic Four, per annum? Uh? 400 or something, right? Yeah, Max, max uh. half a billion. Half a billion, okay, yeah. Sorry, sorry, 500 billion pieces, sorry. Five, half a trillion. Half a trillion. 500 yeah, so I, I remember, yeah, it was- four. 500 billion pieces of glove. Yeah. So can you imagine the capacity that's come up in China? It's, Madness. Yeah. And this is only the registered companies. Correct. You correct. haven't count the even the registered ones, but uh the but here comes another, let's say, um contrarian view. La. A lot of the numbers that were coming out of these Chinese producers are were they in your point of view legitimate? Because now you're starting to see uh what uh, I think one of the largest ones, uh, start with I, 
they were promising this size, this capacity expansion, but they did not actually deliver on that capacity expansion. So it See, doesn't matter, is it, from your point of view? This is not under-delivering. Mm. It has always been the trend, even 10 years ago, 2009, 2008, right? Mm -mm -mm. Even local glove companies, they actually announced, okay, this is my plan capacity for this year. Yeah. But at the end of the time, uh, at the end of the day, sorry, at the time, they'll actually readjust the capacity to look at market situation. Yeah, yeah, I see. Of course. Most of the time, they only maybe deliver 60, 70%, 80% of what is the plan capacity. Yeah. So it's common. It's, and it's, and it's, very, it's common. very easy to ramp up production because it's not very technologically advanced line. It's not like a wafer fab, right? It takes you a few months to uh, erect a line. I think one, two months, you probably get a line up and running, right? Uh... I would say so, yes, but yeah. of course it depends on, on, on the supply side. I mean, yeah. if you can get the machineries, the, yeah. the formers in place, yes. shortages of those things, only those things delays. Yeah. It, right? But is it. <sighs> no, what came to mind was the. the, the this is off, off a bit, right? Yeah. See, you, you notice one common characteristic of a glove plant mm. it's boring. It's what? It's boring. Yeah. Oh, it's boring, it's damn. It's, Very boring. It's brick, mortar. Mortar, line, hot room, whatever oh, yeah, you yes. call it, right? Yeah. Very simple. Why? Because each piece of glove costs cost only a few cents. Correct. Correct. Okay. So the question is, do you think the existing players can't afford to build a funky factory full of glasses? <laughs> <laughs> they can. They can. But in terms of production logic. Why? Why? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right, because it's eating, these are all costs. Yes, you're you're, yes, you're yes. producing something that costs a few cents. It's a commoditized product anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So, well, having a funky factory is wow to investors. <laughs> but if you know if you know the business, that's it, you know. <laughs> it's, a it, it, it's, it's a margins business. It's, it's a scale game, commoditized product, margins business. These are good numbers. Pre-pandemic, six billion pieces per annum is not small. Huh? But yeah. at six billion, you struggle to make a profit at yeah. six billion pieces yeah. per annum. Yeah. What, what, so what are the areas in addition to that you would avoid? Like in the economy, you would avoid investing? Well, I always, in, I always in, avoid investing in stocks where there's too much hype. Mm. Ah. And it's always reflected by the high PE. People are really to, willing to pay high PE. Mm -hmm. take, take Meta, for instance, or Facebook. It's a yeah. very good example. Yeah. There's so much hype onto it. A 5% fall in profit costs a 26% single day drop in share price. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, because they just, when there's too much hype, a slight disappointment can cause a major reversal. Yeah, because the perception. Uh. Exactly. Mm. Right? So likewise, right? If everybody invests in this stock because I expect the profit to double. Yeah. But if at the end, you only deliver 80%, which is still impressive, but yeah. because it didn't hit your 100% profit, people are going to sell. Yeah. What industries will you kind of like be very, very yeah. worried in Malaysia? What's frothy right now? What are the high expectation industries? Mm. <laughs> still tech, still tech. That's the highest. That, that has been the- Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. It's yeah. The highest. I, I want to steer towards um, a little bit more specific. Now, a lot of companies have gone PN17 or this. <laughs> a mm. lot of, uh, you know, this, the moratorium for Bursa says that you, uh, during during that the COVID times, even though you categorize as you are technically categorized as PN seventeen, but we don't we hold it until until you know uh, things get better. Uh, aviation has suffered. Mm. Uh, oil and gas has suffered. Mm. I think um, I think the latest scandal of uh, Serba has gotten a lot of people. <laughs> no, actually, this morning it was so funny, uh, Peter. Why why I want to bring this up was. He is actually a Canadian, French Canadian, based in Malaysia, and he's starting a. I think you've met him before. Uh, he's actually starting a startup here. Uh, 
And what he brought up was a lot about corporate governance because these people take in, these large companies take in mm. huge amounts of public money. Okay. Gone. Mm. And they kind of get away scot-free. And one, probably as an investor, how to avoid them generally. Two, do you think we collectively as investors can do more in terms of activism or corporate governance, uh, re requiring these people to be more uh, transparent, that uh, they, they get more governance uh, in, in some sense. Uh, your thoughts, actually. See, that's what I mentioned, right? All these things are very subjective in nature. Yes, right, Let's yes. take your, your, your earlier example, but without naming names. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let's do it another way, right? Yeah. I raise a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to build a factory that's producing the hottest item now. Okay. Which I know this factory will not make it. Yeah. But... That's what investors want, <laughs> right? They I'm want the hype. Uh. I want the hype. So I'm going to raise money and guess what? Yeah. Investors all jump into it, yeah. riding on it. And I build the factory, yeah? Yeah. I build the factory. I, I deliver what I promise. Yes, yes. Knowing very well, you know, this will make it, but yeah. this is what you all want. Yeah. Three years later down the road, the whole, the whole business collapsed, right? So they were right. How do you draw the of corporate governance? Mm. I'm giving what investors want. Yeah. Am I suffering money out? No, I am building yeah. what you all wanted me to build. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. You, you yeah. see, I'm coming to, yes, it's, yes. it's a great area, right? So yeah, 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 without yeah. legality, you cannot say, hey, no, there's no corporate governance. Correct. But Correct. <laughs> The, 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 the intention. The intention. <laughs> yeah. So maybe let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's just say some of these companies, they get into trouble. Let's say they build a factory, they get into trouble. And yet here, they have institutional money mm -hmm. going to how would I say, hold their backs or whatever. Mm. And this institutional money, the strength of where their balance sheet comes from is actually from your normal mom and pups, mm -hmm. your retirement funds mm -hmm. and all these kind of things. And they are somewhat either through hidden hands or whatever, they are kind of forced to bail mm. these companies out. So why, what do you think in terms of um, avoidance or even for, for, for investors that have no voice mm. for these kind of companies? In a way. Unfortunately, there's really nothing much we can do. <laughs> <laughs> we can't solve world hunger, Peter. Uh, well, see, institutional money, there's technically two types. Yeah. One is your voluntary contribution. <laughs> you mean to say, all oh, the unit trust that you buy. Correct, like, correct, correct, correct. Those is within your call. Yes, yes, The other yes. one is forced contribution. Correct. What can you do? <laughs> mm, you can't. Uh. You can't. Uh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's a... Uh Shut prosperity. Or shut pain. Shut pain. You gotta take the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah. It's a package. It's a package. Like, look, do you have any more questions on the economy? I think probably we've not covered construction. I think we may not. But he did mention, I think construction, industrial, so it's more of a COVID recovery play. Yeah. Not so much construction. Just construction in Malaysia. Oh, you're saying building materials? Building right? materials. Yes, 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 yes. Construction yes. is different. Construction yeah, yeah. is very new slow. Yes, correct, correct. Very, they, they, very the, 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 the price goes up before the thing has even built, right? Yeah, before, yeah. before, before the announcement of them winning the project. But there, there's, yeah. a, there's, there's, there's this term on the street, uh, Peter, I'm pretty sure you heard of it. Buy and rumor, sell on news. Yeah, uh. which is true. Uh, that, that, that most aptly described the construction sector in yeah. 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 <laughs> the Yeah. going to wait four years, right? Yeah. Yeah, nobody ask, Okay, ask this question, right? How much is Yamoda making for MRT project? Nobody okay. knows. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. Right? But they know the share price. <laughs> I know they won the project. Yeah. I just go pun on it. Yeah. Few years later, hey, how much profit did Gamuda make on MRT? <laughs> I do, I, honestly, I don't think even the analyst knows. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. They don't care. Because they think in quarters, right? So this one, you're like four years, three years. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. I won't go and say, oh, this 
profit, how much attribute to this project? No, yeah. lump sum, you got this profit, oh, good. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to you, MB. I, I do want to ask, like, how's the, no, maybe this one on the personal side, like, how's the, <laughs> how's your, your charity doing? Oh, yeah, I think last two years was actually extremely busy. Mm. Huh. Actually, actually, the COVID issue, right? Wow, okay. I, I'm more of those proponents at the early stage of opening up the economy. Yeah. Actually, you make a very good point earlier part of it. Yeah. The, remember when the economy first, after the first lockdown, yes. yeah, when the government was trying to open up, there's a lot of proponents open up and a lot of people are saying, no, 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 you should lock down further. Yeah, exactly. This described the situation very, very good. Those who are against it are those who are well-to-do. Yeah, exactly. I have my monthly salary. You know, exactly. I can stay completely at home. I, say, I would say, hey, my life is more important. Yeah, Please yeah, stay yeah. locked down. Yeah. But those are the daily wage earners. Oh, yes. Right? You ask you this question, no. My children and my family is hungry. They'll right? take the risk. I'll take the risk. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What other option do I have? I, yeah. I actually had this, uh, uh, sorry to cut you off, but I actually had this view, which actually, because my, ironically, because like, family members and you know extended mm. uncles and my 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 ones are also in that period where they don't have to work and mm -hmm. they can just chill and correct. Not correct. <laughs> so I just say look you're so pro lockdown and all that. But will you say that you know you feel for all these people mm. without uh you know all this like because in an economy in a situation like that there are two things to balance. One is the safety health concern. Mm. Uh, like health safety and economic safety, right? You cannot say one is more important than others. Then you're just being essentially selfish that, oh, you know, I'm just going to do one. Mm -hmm. So I say, look, since you're so pro-lockdown, I think to make it fair for everybody, right? Why not, right? Those who are in favor of mm -hmm. a full lockdown, fine. But you must commit half your EPF oh, to help out the other group. I so that. Then, I say, <laughs> yeah. then I say, yes or no? Silent. Yeah. So the logic is very simple for me. It's like, if you say you care about, you say, because they are, the argument is, I, I want care this about so the that, safety. I would say, care about the safety of the country and <laughs> so that everyone can go back to normal. I say, fine, but look, nobody has your privilege. The people who would take the risk if they were given a chance. So will you give half your EPF? Usually the answer is no. Then I say, yeah. then you're being, you're not, you're not, do you, actually you don't really care. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, genuine. Yeah. You're not exactly genuine. <laughs> They're saying purely from perspective. I say, will you give half your EPF? And then they shoot back to me and they say, will you give half your EPF? I say, but I'm not, a, I'm not for lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> hey, but actually, you, I, have another, I have another analogy. Eh? Yeah. For those of your, your relatives, eh, including yeah. mine who are well-to-do and all that, can you imagine, eh, back to your point about yeah, the daily yeah. wage workers, eh, you live in the comfort of your home, yeah. you order grab whatever, yeah. Let's stop your garbage service for one week. Yeah. 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 Very simple, ma. Mm. No one picks up your trash for one week. See whether you are for lockdown or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, like EPF is about like 800 million now. Uh, uh, billion, uh, billion, 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 billion. Yeah, yeah, 400 billion. I think we can, yeah. we can do something. <laughs> we can with it. something about it. Yeah. We can do something about 400 it. 400 billion is 10x, no. Yeah. 100x, uh, one MDB. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why, that's why, like all these people, like, it's what I call virtue signaling. They're like, yeah. oh, look at me. Yeah. Like, oh, then, then they make themselves feel good. They, they, they give a donation here <laughs> and there. This tabung, that tabung. And I said, no, you need to give to solve the problem. The sick, the sick, because it's going to be a problem, a huge problem. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, the people yeah. who can't afford a lockdown tend to have more children, yeah. right? Yeah. Whether you like it or not, right? Yeah. They tend to have more children. Yeah. You, I think you will know this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you need more capital than just hope, you know? Yeah. yeah. You actually yeah, half index. Yeah. I said, then. Done. So yeah, anyway, so how's the, like, why was it busy during the no, during the lockdown? Because I assume mm -hmm. that in a lockdown, you can't do much, right? No, we got a lot of requests from these communities. Right, mm. right. So I think from until last year, until the third lockdown, 
we've totally distributed provisions. Mm. Actually, we, each provision, we, we actually, we don't give cash. We yeah. actually buy, you know, provision like rice, flour, which can last them for a month. Yeah. And each each set actually costs around 250 ringgit. Okay. We actually provided for 1,500 families. Wow, so there's- uh, Quite, 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 quite a lot. Uh, yeah, it's probably <laughs> half a million. Easily, yeah. more than that. Right? From collection, we actually collect money for yeah. to actually oh, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So just when I thought, no things have eased now a bit, then came the flood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, double whammy. Oh yes, how how did the flood affect? Uh, no, because same thing, you know. See, right. Clang, Clang, we, we, we all quite well covered in media. You know, a lot of people, even very Correct. superstar also go and help. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. We, we go to the estate areas. Mm. Like for instance, Kuala Selangor. Mm. Actually, Kuala Selangor was also affected by the flood, but yeah. not, not capturing the headlines. Yeah. So what we did was we also again, we sent provisions to the estate directly to the estates mm, to, mm, to actually mm. help them ease out. How, how, do, how, they do, how do these people reach you and how do they find out? Because actually, see, what we do is, see, again, we, 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 we publish what we do in Facebook, not because we want publicity. Yes. To us, the reason is more of accountability. Yes. Because no, we collect these funds from public. Yes. So our purpose of publishing Facebook is not actually to gain popularity, but it's actually just to be accountable to tell the donors. Correct, correct. Right? Well, we, we, this is the money and this is what we give out This is projects. your IR work lah. Investor relations work for your charity. Yeah, money, no, like. we'll say, hey, you know, if, if you don't, <laughs> yeah. imagine we have not published any pictures, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what mana, you for what? Uh, pergi mana? Pocket right. mana? So, but also because of this, a lot of those affected families, they contact us directly from I office. see, I see. So that's how we, we got into I all see. these leads. We okay. even got got help requests from Pulau Gaya. Wait, In Sabah. Sabah. Sabah, Sabah. Yeah. Wow. Sabah. Yeah. We, we got, we got. But how, the, like how does the no, no, we, we, we can't. So what we do yeah, is yeah, we, yeah. we ask them to send their details, their IC. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah. of course we will vet through it. Then we actually send cash over. I see. Equivalent wow. 250 wow. cash we actually yeah, send yeah. over. Because we, we can't send How, how you mobilize <laughs> uh, yeah, resources <laughs> over, right? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Like, so, but then in terms of your charity, like did the lessons go on as well? And how, did, did it go He's to- talking about your school. Oh, no, your school. We, yeah. we only start to reopen technically this year. Mm. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, because we're also quite concerned about this, the, the right. children's condition. I so, see. so when there was nothing going on, like how do you all manage the curriculum? Because I know, uh, you know, even you know, kids who are not mm. uh, who are privileged also had a lot of mm. issues adjusting with the the schedule. Like they were doing SPM in March or something. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Un- SPM un- is being done now. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think the English paper just happened what, yesterday. What we did was yeah. we have Zoom. But then right, another right. challenge, right? These are the underserved communities. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, even get a, even a basic handset yeah. is a privilege. Yes, mm, yes. Mm, mm. We, we do face that challenge initially, mm. right? I mean, mm. and to us, it's, it's common for them. That, no, right. They don't even have a handset. Yeah. We, we live in an urban bubble. You know, yeah, all, yeah, a lot of these things are quite invincible to a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah. like, but then what surprised you, I guess, uh, as a result of managing the both the the school and the charity during uh, this lockdown, what kind of surprise you? I guess Sur- anything, yeah. Surprise, uh? The uh, surprise can be yeah. good. It could be yeah. bad. Well, you know? Or maybe some mem- something memorable from these two years of struggle. I guess. I, I guess the the thing is, it really helps to see what being truly Malaysian is. Mm, yeah, right? mm. You look at for the last two years, right? This lockdown really. On the ground, mm. race doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only at the, the, the politicians' level, right? Yeah. The and the headline matters. news that they, the media that they want to play, lah. Yeah, yeah. Like like our provisions, we, we go to all races. Yes, right? it's not the single races, and and you can see that they're really appreciative of it. Yes, right. Then even some of them say, hey, we'll, "We'll pray for you." Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that that's the unfortunately that's like the, the bright side of 
any challenges yes, or any yeah. tragedies that, that happen. We really got truly Malaysian where yeah. you know, all the races really get together yeah. mm-hmm. and look at the issue rather than what is the color of your skin. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So like if someone wants to help you in your your good work or maybe even become a teacher or what, what, what how, how, how should they go about it to help you out in your in what you're doing? Yeah, they can apply and then we can see whether what role they wish to play, whether right. we have space for that role. Mm, right. Mm, right. Mm, mm, yeah. mm. And then are these, uh, sorry for the, I mean, don't, you don't have to share if you don't, but like, uh, will they be paid or it's- Oh no, 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 no salary. Pro bono. Okay, so <laughs> purely pro so bono. Pure, pure, pure From the heart. <laughs> you pay, you pay in, uh, they, they are being paid in E, emotions. <laughs> Emotional <Yeah>. bank. <laughs> so yeah, any, anything else, John, you have for Yeah, I probably, um, something personal, but also yeah, yeah, related yeah. to his, uh, yep, to, yep, to his yep. career. Mm-hmm. Um, so book one, book two, uh-huh. would oh, yeah. there be a book three? <laughs> What's it going to be about? Actually, yeah, if there was yeah, a book yeah. three, what would, what would, yeah, what would it be like? Uh? No, there, there's still a lot of things that have, have not been, not that have not been shared, right? Yeah. Because analysis is multi-aspect. Correct, yeah. correct. So even book one and book two is really not covering the, the whole aspect of yes. what analysis is about. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, but what I'm really toying with the idea of then being a call request is about a book about fund management. Hmm. And, and, and a good, it was a segue to my last or probably second last question yeah, is yeah. that why isn't, okay, um, you can be choose two sides of the coins. Uh. Mm-hmm. I feel, I mean, I'm an outsider from the industry. You know that, Peter. Um, when I look at and I benchmark countries like the US or, okay, EU probably still a, a little bit more laggard. But why hasn't capital markets developed as fast in this side of the world as comparatively to the rest of the world, if I would say, or more advanced. What what do you think are the bottlenecks? Is it because of over-regulation? Uh, is it because of uh, overlapping roles within uh, the regulators? Or is it because just Malaysia doesn't have a mature enough capital market system here? I mean, and yeah, from your from your thoughts. You talk about capital market, it depends on what, what category of capital market you're talking about, yeah. right? You talk purely, said for instance, on equities or on bonds per yes, se, right? Yes, yes. It coincides with the size of the corporates. Mm. Like it or not, the global mm. giants are US, Europe, Correct. China, that's it. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Even if you look at, to a certain extent, Singapore, Yeah. they also don't have giants as the likes of those countries. Yeah, I understand. Tomasic, oh, maybe. La. No, Tomasic is, is, is a GLC. It's, yeah, it's yeah, a sovereign exactly. wealth fund. But, but yeah. you talk about corporates. Like, corporate, right? so yeah, your, the likes of Apples, Microsoft. Yeah, so right? your DBS is- Popia skin. Yeah. skin. Yeah. Popia skin. <laughs> <laughs> the razor mouse. Go, go, go. What was that? Uh, Chang, Chunky, or oh, Chunky. Oh, Popia skin and the razor, <laughs> yeah, razor mouse. Razor mouse. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, here, you know, um, I come across this comment from a lot of our followers or even students, right? I said, why is there no instruments to short the market? For mm. example, uh, then why is there no two um, x or three x or even ten x leverage futures things? These kind of instruments. Uh, this on one spectrum. The other spectrum is this. In terms of corporate governance, in terms of raising capital here, a lot of Malaysian companies we start to see moving outside, raising money in Singapore, raising uh, putting incubators elsewhere rather than in Malaysia. So. Is that because of the very restrictive capital markets from your point of view here? Or do you think that it's just, we just don't have that kind of capability or talent to grow that kind of size of company? I think there's, there's again, multiple aspects mm, to mm, that, mm. right? You talk about shorting the market. We yeah. used to have it. 
Mm. I was until the Asian financial crisis. Mm. Just like it or not, right? These instruments cut both ways. Yes. If yes. there is a bear market, right? All these oh. instruments are going to cause a big havoc. Oh, you're, yes. you're not talking about 20% correction in your yeah, index, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be worse than that. 40, 50% easily. And that's yeah. exactly what happened during the Asian financial yeah, crisis, correct, right? Correct. So that, that those instruments are not being allowed, like you know, to a large extent, is to mm. protect retail investors. Mm. Right? Mm, so mm, you're mm. actually trying to reduce the volatility mm, right? mm, in mm, case mm. something goes wrong. Mm, mm, mm. When I talk about those incubators coming going overseas, right? Well, I think we don't have the ecosystem to support. Mm. We, we are not ready. I'm with you. We are not ready to house uh, this kind of new, new, new ventures or mm, new, mm. new business models. Mm, mm. The ecosystem is just not there. Mm. I, I think, unfortunately, I think the regulators also don't understand what the hell these people are doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know, the reason why I say this is because, like what you said, I mean, before the podcast. There's some there's IPOs, but there's nothing exciting. Because if you see, if, I mean, I mean for me, I look at a lot of uh, the IPOs that are coming, Sand Hang and all that kind of thing, right? It's probably a brick and mortar business has not innovated, second, third generation, and then the the idea is most likely an exit liquidity mm. and all that. I don't see something like a grab. Or I, I'm not expecting sexy things like a meta or whatever, but at least some novel business idea or some very intuitive, uh, innovative business idea generating and then now trying to raise capital, you see. Mm. I, I, I don't, I, I think I'm just trying to figure out, yeah. is it because our Asian or Malaysian society is so conservative that second, third generation, they rather keep their companies private, you know, mm. and you know. See, what was interesting about this, you see, that, yeah. that was what Leap was supposed to address. Correct, exactly. But then at the same time, <laughs> there's, for what well, it's not a stated requirement, yes. or it's quite silent, but the regulators expect anybody applying for leap to make a profit. Correct. You, you see, you see yes. that's a problem. And, and the name, <laughs> uh, Leading Ex Entrepreneur Accelerator Platform, right? Uh. It, the name already conjures up that kind of alignment, Correct. which is like no profit, moonshots but kind of thing. You're just selling ideas. Yes, yes, yes. And it's to sophisticated investors who are willing to take the risk. Yes. But Although no black and white requirement for profit, but yes. they still expect to make a profit. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a simple explanation. I think <laughs> too many 60 year olds are running the, the regulator the market. Markets, uh. Uh, that's my honest opinion. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, hey, thanks so much for no, being you. on the podcast. Um, look, guys, if you want to find Peter, not very difficult to find. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Peter Lim on Facebook. Shiny, Trident, shiny head, you know, yeah, very Trident shiny head. Analytics. Uh, but if you ever get a DM from Peter, uh, just make sure, right, not all of them are Peters, yes. are real Peter. No, right? no, Actually, I don't DM people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you don't DM. So, so, I mean, there's so many scams around. Because right I, I know that you did report once, I think a couple of months back. Right, <laughs> Three, four right? times already. Three, four times already, right? People are impersonating you and yeah. all that. So, yeah, guys, just be careful of that. But yeah, if you really want to find Peter, uh, check out his stuff on Trident Analytics and his uh, personal Facebook. I think you can follow him. Uh, you can try to add him. He may not add you. Uh, <laughs> add you but, but yeah, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Always a pleasure, uh, yeah, a pleasure. Uh, to get you on. And uh, definitely looking forward to a part three, maybe in six months, 12 months. And also months book three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what you think of gloves, right? In six months. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, yeah, we'll call it to an end. And you know, like, comment, subscribe, the usuals. Share it with your friend if you like this sort of stuff. Click on the bell so that you know when new videos come out and see you in the next podcast. Okay.